challenging us to evaluate our liberties. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor. Not to lay some heavy legalistic trip on you, but we're dealing with the souls of men here. And we've got to consider our own lives to say, you know what, I have the freedom to do that, but I've chosen to lay it aside to make me more usable, to reach more people. And I think that it's important for us as believers to have a regular inventory of our lives. That even if you don't think something is sinful or it's okay for you to do, have you ever considered what kind of effect it's going to have on other people? This is amazing grace. you be willing to sacrifice in order to love somebody? It's a probing question, and it's one only you can answer. Hello, and welcome to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. In Romans chapter 14, we're given some valuable instruction on things we may have to let go of in order to show love. And last time, we considered some questions we could ask to help us evaluate what they might be. Here now with more is Pastor Ed. Can it bring you under its power? This has to do with those decisions that might bring you in an area of things that are addictive. Maybe they have addictive properties in them. And the actual act isn't necessarily a sin, but the process of being under the control of something could very well lead you to sin. Because I don't want to be under the control of anything but the Holy Spirit, you know? I want to be walking in the Spirit, and if I make decisions like I did when I was unsaved, that I didn't really care what I was under the control of, then I'm going to be in trouble again. But even worse so now that I have knowledge that being under the control of certain things, certain substances, certain relationships, certain attitudes, and on and on, I need to be led by the Spirit. And so if it's going to bring me under its power, I need to be careful and perhaps even say no. Number seven, does it give you an uneasy conscience? You don't want to ignore that. That all the things are going well and you finally come to the place where I just don't have a peace about this. I've got an uneasy conscience. Because if you don't pay attention to that uneasy conscience or that Holy Spirit alarm in your life, you could be headed for a place where you begin to quench the Spirit of God and you begin to sear your conscience as if with a hot iron and you don't have feeling in that area anymore. And so now it's just a part of your life. See, when you're a new believer, you're real sensitive to these things. But now, over the years, you've let your conscience go. You haven't been making wise decisions. And now it's just a part of your life that people can't even talk to you about it anymore. Because now you get real defensive. Because you're not sensing that work of the, your conscience that's been illuminated by the Holy Spirit. And you want to be careful. And so if you have an uneasy conscience, you may want to avoid that decision until the Lord clears it up for you. And then the last one, number eight, which really brings us to the rest of Romans 14 is could this decision, this action, could it cause someone else to stumble? Could it trip someone else up? Could, by you exercising your freedoms, hurt another brother or sister that can't handle what you can handle? And so pick up with me back in Romans 14. Will it lead you to lead someone else to be stumbled by your behaviors? I know you have freedom to do it, and I know it's not even a sin to you. But have you ever considered how your decisions will affect others? Because you're 
decisions do affect others. So do mine. And so will it cause someone else to stumble? That's a real big banner to fly over your decisions. Do you really care about those around you? Verse 14, Paul says, I know and I'm convinced by the Lord Jesus that there's nothing unclean of itself. It's not the issues of diets or days. It's not some of the things. You know, nothing's unclean when it's done unto the Lord. You can't sin unto the Lord. You know that, right? But in the gray areas, when you're doing it by faith unto the Lord, there's nothing unclean in and of itself. But to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it's unclean. Those are your convictions, which will be different around the room. I could lay one topic out on the table right now, and I know I'd get many, many different convictions and layers of really firm belief on the subject. Or some people go, oh, it doesn't bother me at all. That's just the way it is. We're all different. That's what he says. He says there's differences of people that consider things unclean and not unclean. Verse 15, yet, if your brother is grieved because of your food, you're no longer walking in love. Don't destroy with your food the one for whom Christ died. He says, I know you have the freedom to do it, but don't destroy your brothers and sisters by just kind of flaunting it out there. And so look at me, I can have freedom. I know you can't handle this, but I can handle it. And just being careful here, even just openly exercising your freedom sometimes in front of other people could greatly stumble them. He says, don't destroy one another. Therefore, do not let your good, verse 16, be spoken of as evil. Your good is exercising your freedom unto the Lord. You have your convictions between you and the Lord. But don't let your good be spoken of as evil as you start to stumble people. For the kingdom of God is not food and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Let's just pause there for a moment and And let you know that as a pastor, me and my family have chosen to not do certain things and not go certain places, not because we couldn't handle it, but for the sake of not stumbling the flock. That's a decision that we've willingly made. And those in pastoral leadership here, those in lay leadership here, those that have a calling of ministry here, we ask you to do the same thing. Not to lay some heavy legalistic trip on you, but we're dealing with the souls of men here. And we've got to consider our own lives to say, you know what, I have the freedom to do that, but I've chosen to lay it aside to make me more usable, to let God have in my life to reach more people, even though under the Lord I think I could do it. It wouldn't be any big deal. And I think that it's important for us as believers to have a regular inventory of our lives, especially in the realm of our Christian freedoms. That even if you don't think something is sinful or it's okay for you to do, Have you ever considered what kind of effect it's going to have on other people? I mean, to the point of even destroying someone with your own freedom. I know that's not your motive, but it could be the extent of that decision that I'd make. It's not my motive to destroy anyone. But I want to walk carefully in this world. I want to be careful to be reminded in my own life that my life is not my own. I was bought with a price. And so the very first step in following after Jesus, he said, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. In a society that tells you don't deny yourself, it becomes very difficult for the believer to even consider denying yourself for the sake of other believers. And I really want you to consider it, church. If we're really living in the last days, which I believe we are, then God is purifying his church. He wants us to be vessels he can pour into and then pour out into a lost and a dying world. And what is difficult in any church setting are unclean vessels. Vessels that aren't really concerned about others, but only themselves. It might be something you need to learn. It might be an attitude that you need to change in your mind. 
it might just be being encompassed with the love of God that your, your heart melts back to the place where you realize, you know, my life is not my own. When you got saved, when I got saved, didn't have any problem saying that. But over the years, we start to take parts of our lives back. And sometimes we do that, we start to stumble people. So be careful. He says, verse 18, For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. To consider, not, not to let a pastor make a list for you, not to let a group make a list for you, but to seriously pray about the decisions you're making. God will be faithful to you. He'll start to identify, you know, you've done this for a long time, but, but don't. Let's stop it. Let's move on. Let's use that time somewhere else. And it's so cool that God would do that. He says, therefore, verse 19, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify one another. Why? Because we're a family. We're a body. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for the man who eats with offense. It is good neither to eat meat, nor drink wine, nor do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. Do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats because he does not eat from faith for whatever is not of faith is sin. Paul's just saying, have your convictions between you and the Lord and let your Christian life be first lived to God and then be recognizable of those around you that your life really does matter. And so before we go, I want to leave you with four things to consider as you exercise your Christian freedom. We already looked at some things that will help you make good decisions. The Holy Spirit will use those questions in your life and probably a few more. But here are four things to consider as you and I live in the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ, how we can apply chapter 14 as believers. And I realize for some of you, this is all brand new. This is all brand new to think this way. But God, he wants to purify. He wants to bring about holiness and righteousness and peace and joy in our lives. Because as we talk about the last days, okay, let's just say we're not in the last days. Let's just say God has hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years left on this earth before the return of Jesus Christ. I don't believe that, but let's just say it's possible. Well, now let's bring it down to your life. You know, somewhere in our life, we just think we're going to live to 100, 150, right? I don't know, 150, that's a long, I don't know, maybe 100, Ed, maybe 99. Okay, okay. So I'm going to live for, but, but you're not promised to live to 99. You may have... 20 years left, you may have 50 years left, you may have 70 years left. We don't know what God has for us. Let's just say God dropped a word to us today that we had 60 days left to live. Would you live those 60 days differently than you would if you thought you had a couple years to work on this? Okay, let's take away the 60 days because the Bible doesn't even give you that, okay? Let's take away the 60 days. Let's just take what the Bible says. The Bible says you have today. That's it. You're not promised tomorrow or next week and it's foolishness, James says, to... Make plans for the future just thinking that's okay, thinking, oh, today and tomorrow and next week, and, and to just really bank on. He's not making, James isn't saying it's not okay to make plans. James is saying it's not okay to make plans presuming upon God that you're going to live forever on this earth. And so let's just say you had today, which you do. Are you willing to make changes today based on your Christian freedom, or are you going to put it off for tomorrow, which really isn't promised to you? It's just today. It's today that you and I have. It's today that you and I have to live for the Lord. And I wonder the difference that will be made if we just live for today. To live out today like it was our last. Today is the day of salvation. It's true for many of you, today is the day of salvation. That when you hear the gospel, which really means good news, the good news is that you're a sinner. That's the good news. That's where it starts. It actually starts with some bad news. <laughs> We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. 
It's really good news to know that because then you can receive the next part that God has for you and that is you can be rescued. You don't have to live in sin. You don't have to die in your sin. There's forgiveness for you. For you, of all people. Yeah, God loves you. He sent his only son, Jesus Christ, for you. His son lived a perfect life. His son, Jesus, died a perfect death. His son, Jesus, our Savior, he rose again the third day so that by faith in him, you can be saved. Yeah, you. Today's the day of your salvation. That's the truth. It's unequivocal. There's no gray area with salvation. There is no other name under heaven by which a man can be saved but the name Christ Jesus. No other name. That unless you are born again, you won't see the kingdom of God. There is no other way to see God face to face in salvation. Many will see him in judgment, but you can avoid that. You can make an eternal decision right here today, not tomorrow, because you're not promised tomorrow. And it's going to require a hard decision on your part, and that is to repent from your sin, to turn from it, to acknowledge that what you're doing is not from God. It breaks the heart of God. It breaks your fellowship with God. It hurts you. It hurts other people. Sin is devastating, but there's a way out. Take that way out. Receive the salvation of your soul. But for those of you that are saved, consider these things as you live in your freedom. Number one, we're going to look at a topic and then a statement. Number one, as it relates to differences. Differences. Just remember that in your liberty, there are differences. So when it comes to differences, consider this. What's okay for you may not be okay for someone else. Or what's okay for someone else may not be okay for you. You just need to understand that. It'll help you with exercising your liberty. Not moral issues, not black and white biblical doctrinal issues, but as it relates to, you know, the simple things. How you exercise your Christian freedom. What things you like to do, what things you could do. I mean, we could, we could use a lot of examples. In the earlier services, I've used music. You might be able to listen to different music. You, you might have the ability to listen to music and not be stumbled by it. But the question is, is it really building you up? Is it okay for you? Is it making you a stronger believer? Because if that music that you have the freedom to listen to becomes on your mind and your heart and you want to talk to someone, what do you have to give them except what you're feeding yourself in your mind? So when you start thinking it, hey, it may be okay for you with music, but then you start to tell them, hey, I learned this latest CD of this band. It's great. And, and you know that what they're singing may or may not be necessarily sinful, but it's definitely not godly. And it could stumble your brother. I mean, that's between you and the Lord. It's between me and the Lord. Being careful how we make those decisions. You know, music and dress and, you know, how, what we wear and what movies we watch even. You're just careful. Which leads us number two as it comes to influence. Differences. Just remember, what's okay for you may not be okay for someone else. Influence. Your life influences people. As it relates to influence, the effect of my behavior on others is more important than the exercise of my liberty in Jesus Christ. Think about that one for a moment. The way my decision affects other people is more important than the fact that I can exercise freedom in Jesus Christ. Those of you that are parents with kids in the house, you know of which I speak. As they grow up, you may be in a place where you can watch certain movies, and so you go down and you get the movie. And you're going to play it on the DVD and the kids come downstairs, mommy, 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 I want to watch that movie. And your answer is, no, it's not good for you. You can't watch it. No, mommy, I want to. No, it's not good for you. There are naked people in this and a lot of cussing. Oh, you don't use those words, do you? But there's even standards in your own house that you might be, maybe it's not to that extreme, but there's already standards in your, in your life where, well, that's okay for me and not for you. And you send your kids back upstairs wondering, I wonder what that is. 
I wonder why mommy and daddy have a different standard for life. Now, they don't use those words either. It's getting ingrained in their life. And we want to be careful. And so things probably changed when you started having kids. <laughs> things probably changed when you were knowing that your life actually affects other people. Now, you don't have to have kids for this principle to apply. Your life does affect other people. And you need to be careful how you make your decisions. If you make ungodly decisions, the possibility is for you to stumble your brother. And I don't know that you really want to do that. I don't know that that's really your motive. But it may be you just never prayed about it as you use your freedom. And my, the effect of my decisions are more important. How they relate to other people are more important than me being able to say, oh, I have freedom in the Lord. I can do whatever I want. See, love put into words when it comes to our freedoms. Love says this. I know I can, but if it'll hurt you, I won't. I know I can do it. It's not going to stumble me. I mean, I use that extreme. You know, none of us should be watching naked people on TV or the screen. Sexual immorality. I mean, that's just not edifying. I don't know how you could hang out with Jesus in a movie like that, you know. I know we have all the reasons, but that stuff just gets burned into your head, and it's just not good. But not that extreme, just with the other extremes. Have you resolved in your life to be as close to Jesus as you can? Because that's the key. I use these practical examples because they're relatable. Some of you, you're shaking your head, no, they're not relatable to me. Good. But let me tell you, friend, they're relatable to a lot of people. Understanding that this Bible study will be not only broadly given to us and as our fellowship, but it's going to be broadcast around the country. A lot of people are listening to this. A lot of people got in big trouble with using and misusing their Christian freedoms. A lot of mistakes have happened. A lot of sins have come because we've chosen to take an easy route. And so don't dismiss the instruction because I haven't mentioned what really applies to your life. Whatever really applies to your life, take it to the Lord in prayer and realize your life matters. Realize that holiness is important. Realize that when you're exercising your Christian freedoms, your decisions affect other people. There's a third one here, and that is as it relates to commitment. We looked at differences. We looked at influence. Now commitment. Listen to this. It's very important. If what I'm doing, if I'm doing something that causes someone else to sin, I'll stop it and never do it again. That's a good decision. If something I'm doing is causing someone else to sin, I need to stop it. And not do it again for the sake of their life. I know I have Christian freedom and I know I can handle it. I know it doesn't stumble me. But if it stumbles someone else, I'll stop it. And I won't do it again. Someone else's life and walk with the Lord is important. And love teaches us to be considerate of one another. To be concerned about our behavior toward each other. And if we need to give something up in order to help another person grow in Jesus. Then it's a good decision to make. Even if we are free to do it. And the last one, number four, has, has to do with openness. So we've looked at differences, influence, commitment, and now openness. It's going to be a difficult one. As it relates to openness, consider this. If someone comes to me and shares a concern with me about how I use my Christian liberties, I need to listen and pray over it before I respond and defend myself. I mean, if someone has enough courage to come and say, what you're doing stumbles me, brother and sister then instead of immediately, which is we do the opposite, we defend ourselves, I'm free in Christ, I can do whatever I want. Instead of defending ourselves, oh, it would be really good for us to pray about it and let God either confirm it in our lives or open the door for ministry with this person and not just to immediately dismiss it and defend ourselves that I have freedom in Christ. We need to be prayerfully open. It's so vital to listen to what's being shared with us without being easily offended. 
even if what's delivered to us is delivered in an offensive way. We need to be open. Indeed. With that biblical encouragement from Pastor Ed Taylor, we'll wrap up another edition of Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed, here we are now several months into the COVID-19 pandemic, and I'm sure some of our listeners are wondering, how are you and Marie doing through all of this and Calvary Church in Aurora? Would you take some time to address that? Sure, Larry. Thanks for asking. Uh, You know, I think overall uh, we're doing well. I like to say, you know, we're doing well, all things considered, but we have to acknowledge that the COVID-19 pandemic and the responses to it at the different governmental levels have traumatically affected us. And I do use that word traumatically, not dramatically, although you can include that as well. But it's caused a lot of trauma in our psyche and in our mental thinking. We were not designed to be isolated. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that it's unwise to isolate ourselves. And so oftentimes we'll even encourage people, hey, look, you need to be with other believers. You need to be in fellowship. Acts 2.42, you've got to be together. And then here we are in a worldwide limitation of seeing loved ones, seeing elderly uh, moms, dads, grandmas, grandpas that are in the assisted living, can't go to church. You know, we were thinking back when this all began that it would be a few weeks and we can make it through. And then when it just continued and continued and continued, and now today, uh, you know, you've got mass layoffs that are being warned for the fall in October, six months worth. Uh, You have an arc state here in Colorado. The governor has just extended his state of emergency for another 30 days. And, you know, it's, it's like another and another. And although some numbers are ticking up, because of those numbers ticking up now, well, we're going to res- put more restrictions and there's statewide masks and what? Do- so, you know, my heart, uh, Marie and I are doing well. Uh, our church is doing well, even though things are different. Uh, we haven't been able to see our church in many months. Uh, we have opened our doors up again. We, we are meeting together, but it's different. We got this social distancing and you got to exit and enter from these doors and you can't hug or fellowship or any of the things that we're used to, and, and it's, it's hard. And I just want to acknowledge to everyone listening in, uh, wherever you might be, that it is hard. You're, you're not uh, out of your mind thinking that it's so hard. Uh, it's challenging. It's traumatic. However, I want to end with the reason I think we're doing well is because God is faithful. And I think of the persecuted church in Arab countries, in China, in places where the gospel is against the law, literally, and the things that they're facing and the things that they're enduring. And I told our church that the the three pillars that we're going to ride through this challenge is patience, preference, and humility. And so I just offer them to you, that we be patient with one another and patient with the process and patient with the Lord and patient with our government officials, even when, and especially when we disagree Um, And then we want to learn to show preference to one another, thinking more highly of of someone else than ourselves. And of course, the the banner of that would be in humility. We'd humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God, that he'll lift us up in due time. So thanks for asking. It's been very challenging. We pray. Uh, My heart goes out to those that have lost loved ones, uh, those that have had ICU visits, uh, and, you know, I've got a friend right now, a pastor friend, 
in another state that I was talking to yesterday, he has COVID. And even though his symptoms are what they call mild, they're still very hard for him. They've triggered other things in his life, uh, other medical things in his life, and it's just hard. Uh, and so we pray that God would encourage you and strengthen you and that he would arrest this virus. Thanks, Pastor Ed. If you joined us late or would just like to hear this message again, turn to AboundingGraceRadio.com, or you can listen through our app, too. Search for Calvary Aurora in the App Store or Google Play. Abounding Grace is made possible through the support of our listeners. And when you give a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace, you're invited to request a copy of The Third Option by Miles McPherson. In it, Pastor Miles speaks out about the racial divisions in today's world and encourages us to see people as God sees them. It contains awesome practical takeaways and exercises to help you understand the points of views of others. I think you'll be inspired and encouraged to make positive changes in our country, starting with yourself. Again, ask for a copy of The Third Option when you call today at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. Tell a friend about these daily studies, and then be sure to join Pastor Ed Taylor next time for more teaching from Romans. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado.